Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. As you're finding that scripture, uh, I want to give you a little bit of a story, a little bit of background. Uh, I've given this, a little, this story before. Uh, it's my testimony and how I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. I was raised in, a, uh, in what many would call a Christian home. We went to church on Sunday, every Sunday. My sisters were baptized as infants. Uh, we went every week. We were busy in the Sunday school. We were leaders in the church, or my dad was, I should say. Uh, when I was nine, I was baptized uh, into the church and became a member, and everything was great until all of a sudden a preacher came in who was preaching some things that weren't exactly the most doctrinally sound. Uh, and like most people would today, we left the church and we never went to go find another one. Now in that time, I had a friend, his name was Cody, or is Cody, uh, and uh, he invited me to come to his church. I don't remember the church, I don't remember the preacher, I don't remember the event all that much, really. But it was the very first time in my life I had heard the gospel presented the death the burial the resurrection of Jesus Christ and me being a sinner needing a savior to get to heaven first time in my life I'd ever heard that I grew up hearing that Jesus loved you that Jesus uh, died for our sins and that was it didn't hear anything else no gospel presentation no anything first time I ever heard it I remember he gave he said every head bowed every eye closed gave the invitation if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior tonight you mind just slipping your hand up I remember raising my hand up high that day and didn't know why a few years pass and now like I said I've told this story before but I'm going to tell it again uh, in March of 2012 we lost my uncle to suicide my dad's brother my dad's best friend and you know that hurt Obviously, it, it, it hurt. And during that time beforehand, I was really focused on uh, the sciences and kind of grow in, in that and learn you know, uh, evolution and learn uh, the creation, quote-unquote, of the universe and the Big Bang and the four billion, I don't even know the statistics anymore. But I surrendered to that doctrine. And when that happened, when we lost my uncle, I did what most people would do rather than why, why would God allow this? I ultimately just said, there's no God. And for a short period, and I mean a short period in my life, I believed with all my heart there was no God until April 22nd, 2012. My sister was eight months pregnant when my uncle passed away and uh, April 21st, 2012, actually, it was early in the morning. My mom came downstairs. She said, hey, Carly's gone into labor. We're going to the hospital. My dad and I, we waited at home till we were told it's okay to come. We went to the hospital. We were there all day. And then my dad was there all night. And that morning, I called my dad and said, was, she, was he born? Was he born? April 22nd, 2012, 2.29 in the morning, my nephew Colton was born. I remember holding him for the very first time and something started to tick in my heart. I was, I was really starting to be like, wow, there's, an, there's something empty there. I was 13 years old, 13 years old, and I was already starting to realize this. Then, April 27th, 
2012, Colton was rushed to the hospital. If he can do the math, he was five days old. Projectile vomiting, coming in and out of consciousness. Five days old. Can't figure out what's going on with him. The doctor said, you need to get him to the hospital as soon as possible. Lights and sirens, they took him to Akron. And at five days old, he had life and death surgery. It was, it was, it was a matter of minutes and we would have lost him. Now, obviously, you all have met Colton, so you know how the story goes. He's the youngest person to this day to still have his kidney removed. We just didn't tell the Guinness Book World Records on that one. And he had a twisted bowel. His appendix was up here somewhere. His bowel was twisted. He was on the verge of death. And I remember that night, we used to uh, have dogs and rabbits, and I would go outside at night and feed them. And that night, I remember calling out to the Lord, and I said, Lord, if you'll just save my nephew. And for some reason, the Lord used that to bring to memory, memory there we go, memory that night that I was at uh, that, 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 that church, that revival meeting. And I started remembering all these scriptures, plus a few others that had come throughout my life. And I had a, had a Bible that was given to me at a basketball program when I was a kid. And I opened it up and I started reading some scripture. And I found that there was no way to heaven but by Christ. And for some reason, the Lord used that moment with my nephew where he saved my nephew from a literal death, came over and saved me from an eternal death. That night on April 27th, 29th, I can never remember which day it was, I got saved. The Lord Jesus Christ reached, as Brother Bill Finnegan would say, reached down to the bottom of the barrel, reached, pulled me out, and washed me clean. I wish that was... That was, now, we know that my salvation, at that moment, it was settled. We were done. But like I said, I was still following the sciences. I was still in the public school system. I, I, anybody who's been in the public school system, you know what goes on in there. The things that you hear, the things that children are saying. Without proper discipleship and proper growth and people investing in my life, I didn't get, get that growth. Now, September of that year, I was baptized. I joined a church that I absolutely uh, love the church family. I met my best friend and, uh, you know, his brother and everything like that. And, you know, I, I praise God for those moments. And there was a little bit of growth there, but not a whole lot. And then some things happened within that church, and I found myself homeless from a church. And I began church shopping, going at different churches, seeing what was going on. Some of those churches you would see uh, where they were as conservative as can be, or some others you would find where they were as liberal as can be, where they would say uh, that just because you are born on this earth, Jesus died for the whole world, so thus you're saved. Other churches I walked in, they pointed me right to the coffee bar. They just wanted my money for the coffee. I didn't drink coffee at that time. I thought it was gross. Uh, it just shows what happens when you grow in the Lord. Um, and then I started working at a little place called Chick-fil-A. I met a young girl named Lydia Billings, and, she, and, and I also met Annalise. And they said, hey, why don't you come visit this church? I, I met Kim. She's hurt. Um, but they said, come to this church. Come, come to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Come visit. Come to an evening service. And I remember that service like it was yesterday about the puzzle piece and finding where you fit in. And God started using that to grow me and everything like that. Everything was going great. And then we can put in, the, in the, the puzzle pieces what happened in fall of 2018. We were without a pastor. 
I was without a mentor. My discipleship had started and it was stopped. And rather than seeking to find the greater discipleship, I stopped seeking God and his word. And I found myself falling more into the world. We had man after man after man come in, stand behind this pulpit, give the, Lord, give the gospel, give the message. And each time it did a little bit of a tick in my heart. And you know, it, it, it took God, it took me being at a point of such, such low depression where I didn't even think my friends wanted anything to do with me. They're sitting right here, so I'm trying to make them feel bad. Where they didn't want anything to do with me. I said, and it took the word of God, and it took the love of a church family that brought me back up, and it took a deacon, two deacons, that said, we want you to start, we can see something in you, we want you to start preaching, we want you to start leading, we want you to start studying, and they invested their time in me, And to this day, I never looked back. From there, I've started surrendering to the Lord in in what I, obviously, we have our, our valley, our mountains and our valleys and all that. But let me tell you, I've never looked back. I had a conversation with a friend of mine about their, their situation at home and their family life and about forgiveness. And that was that night I surrendered uh, to being a preacher that I'm like, God needs, is calling me to the ministry. And then I uh, said, all right, I'll go to Bible college. Next thing we know, we're voting on a pastor. Now I have a mentor. And I praise God for the pastor that we have. Amen? Amen. Why am I giving my testimony? Why have I given this story? In Psalm 107, we see, starting in verse number 1, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. For his mercy endureth forever. And if you're in the habit of marking your Bibles, if you don't have it marked already, I would mark this, this verse. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and the north and from the south. They wandered in the wickedness in solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord, in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. We just had a missions conference. We just had men and their families come in and give testimony and give witness to what they're doing throughout the world, what God is using them to do from uh, the, the places of South, the townships of South Africa to the villages of, of the, the uh, United Kingdom or Great Britain to Spain to the gentleman that we had this morning, Brother Underwood, to Argentina, about what's going on in the world. And they preached amazing messages and gave from the Word of God why we need to reach the world for Christ. But I have to ask, how do we expect to reach the world if we don't tell those around us about the gospel? You know, men and families are leaving the mission field at an amazing rate. But at that same rate, we don't, we're, we're losing the men and the families to send out. And why is that? Because we have churches all throughout the United States that have fallen to these, these ideologies, to these theologies, such as Calvinism and liberalism, both promoting, not preaching the gospel. Talk with Brother Pickett if you ever get the chance to see him again. 
They'll tell you what's going on over there in the United Kingdom. You hear about the great preachers of, of the, 20th, or, uh, the, the 19th and 20th centuries. All of them will gonna, you're going to find, or a good portion of them, are going to find from the United Kingdom that they subscribe to some form of Reformed Calvinism. And what is it? What do you see whenever you look at, at, at uh, you, the UK and Canada now? A place that's spiritually dead. A place where they used to send missionaries all across the globe, and now missionaries from all across the globe are going there. I don't know about you, but that's pretty sad. And what we see today is that very same thing is happening. We have people that no longer are saying the, or, or promoting the sharing of the gospel, the sharing of your testimony. Where they say, well, you might be stepping on God's toes. What if, we don't, what if it's not God's will for somebody to be saved? Or on the other side, what if it hurts their feelings? What if it offends them? What if it puts them in a place where they're not exactly happy? Folks, we have a problem here in the United States. We have a problem throughout the world. We have a country that's becoming more and more spiritually dead every day. How do we fix this? If we're going to reach the world for Christ, we must be willing and ready to reach those around us. How? How do we do that? A few Wednesdays ago, we pre- pastor preached to the, the, to the teenagers on, on how they can share with their friends. And the best way to do it is just having a strong testimony. The preacher preached this morning about the, of having a strong testimony toward the end of his message. And I thought it was neat that it tied together here. And I want to preach to you a message tonight on the topic of having a strong testimony in a world that hates God. Let's bow for prayer. Lord God, we just once again come before your throne. Father, I pray that you bless this this message and this service, Lord, and that hearts might be turned back toward you, whether they be here in Bailey Road Baptist Church, or watching online, or watching later, or listening later, Lord, I just pray that you reach this congregation and this world for Christ. Father, we're a lost and dying world, yet you came to seek and to save us. We praise that, Lord. I just pray that uh, you use this message and that you have your way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And uh, Justice, do you mind going to get me like a bottle of water or a cup of water or something. Thank you. Uh, Point number one, what we're going to see here in Psalm 107, verse number two, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord, what does that say? Say so. A strong testimony is going to be spoken. Paul writes in, in Romans chapter number 10, I'm sorry, Romans chapter number one, where it says, uh, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power unto what? Salvation. We mustn't be ashamed of what we have been given. It's a free gift. Let me tell you, if I had a a free gift or the secret to eternal life, I don't know about you, but I'd want to tell everybody. I don't want to have it, you know, bottled up. And if somebody had that secret of eternal life and they didn't tell me, I'd be pretty mad about it. Wouldn't you? A strong testimony, (coughs) excuse me, 
must be spoken. In chapter, Romans chapter number 10, verse 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it continues, How then shall they call on him, or call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, bring glad tidings of good things. <coughs> Scripture tells us that we need to go tell. You know, I, I think I've told, I don't know if I've told this story from the pulpit or not, but a few months ago, Asher and Justice and I went to uh, Dunkin' Donuts to get a coffee, and it was right before Easter, and I handed him a, a gospel tract, the young man at the window. I said, hey, I'd love for you to be my visitor at church. I have a seat right next to you. love to have you. And he took that gospel track, and you know, most of the time we think that they're going to take these things. I'm going to go, oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to go ahead and read this right away. That didn't happen. That window got slammed, and all I see is this. Ripped it up, threw it in the trash. But you know, it's something. He knew we did wrong. He knew it. Because he forgot to give me straws. That was the first wrong that he did. <laughs> the second wrong is that he, is, he just he took the free gift, the kindness and the love that somebody gave him, threw it in the trash. And when I walked inside the store to get the straws, because I don't know about you, Asher, but I wasn't about to drink my drink without a straw. And he, I go in and he just starts sobbing. And he goes, man, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I said, bro, I wasn't coming in to yell at you. I was coming in to get a straw. But you know, there's a world out there that knows that they need, a God, they need the gospel. They need a savior. And you know, even more, there are children out there that haven't even heard the name Jesus. I'm blessed that my, that my nephews have heard the name Jesus. Amen? Amen? But I can't help but think of I wasn't in their life, if I wasn't in their life, would they have heard the gospel? Would they have heard the name of Jesus? Because I'll tell you right now, other than as a cuss word, my sisters aren't saying the name of Jesus. Other than a cuss word, they're not going to hear the name Jesus as Savior, but they're just going to hear him as somebody who, who goes out and is, is seeking to divide. That it's Jesus is the reason why that we, that, that us Christians hate gay people. These are the things that we hear in the world, right? It's rough. It's tough. But if we go forward in love and tell them about Jesus and what he did for you, we told the teens, I don't know, Lily, were you in there that day when we talked about giving a testimony? Sometimes the best way to tell somebody about Jesus is, did I ever tell you about the time that Jesus saved my life? It's as simple as that. Some of you are grandparents. Take your, children, your grandchildren up to your knee, even if they're my size. Don't do that. <laughs> Maybe set them down on the couch. And tell them, did I ever tell you about the time Jesus saved my life? You don't have to go as elaborate as I did just a moment ago. Tell them about the love of Christ. 
Scripture asks, how are they going to hear unless they have a preacher? From what I, The way I read that, I read that as, Trevor, how are they going to hear unless you tell them? I read that. And with my name in there, Trevor, how are they going to hear unless you tell them? Because as far as I know, we have a world today that is in, a gospel, or in Christians who are claiming to preach the gospel that are saying, we don't want to step on God's toes. It may not be God's will for them to get saved. All I know that Scripture says that he wasn't willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Amen? We have testimony to give. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How did you get your faith? You heard the word of God. The Lord worked in your heart. He saw, he, he, you were reading his word, you saw his word, and you heard his word, and he worked, he turned it in your heart. He did a little bit of a stirring, and from there you had faith. From there you believed. From there the profession came, and you were saved. God found it fit. We we're going through on Sunday mornings through uh, uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, about men and women who have great faith, who weren't afraid to tell their story. You know, the thing about um, uh, Hebrew culture is they have a great oral tradition. Before it could get to Moses, they had to tell somebody, right? The story of Abraham got told. The story of, 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 of Jacob and Isaac of Noah and Enoch, of Abel. That faith was told. Somebody had to say, look what God did. Look what God did in this world. Look, there was a flood. There was a great flood that wiped out the entirety of the world except for one family. It was a family that had faith in God. That God, that God who could destroy the world in a single flood, in 40 days, 40 nights, he brought a flood in. That same God found it fit to save family. So, who, who showed love to people who had faith in him. God found it fit to record those down in the faith. Secondly, we see your faith must be seen. Your faith must be seen. If you'll flip to the book of Daniel... The book of Daniel in chapter number one. <coughs> book of Daniel, chapter number one, starting in verse three. Now we know at this point, the children of Israel, the nation had been divided. We had seasons of good kings, seasons of bad kings, and eventually God said, that's enough, and delivered them into captivity. And we find here in the book of Daniel, in this Babylonian captivity, Daniel... I'll let the scripture read itself here. And, and the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and in knowledge, and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. 
And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, I could never pronounce that right, I apologize if I pronounce that wrong, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and of Mishael of Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. We know this. We've heard this before. If you don't have it marked in your Bibles, mark it. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Daniel was brought into a point where he was in a nation that hated God, that worshipped Baal, that worshipped pagans, to the point where they took names that glorified God. The name Daniel means God is my judge. The name Hananiah is my God is gracious. Mishael is who is what God is. Azariah, God has helped. They're all names that gave glory to God. They're all Hebrew names. And they changed them to names like Belteshazzar, which is Baal will protect. Shadrach, a reference to the sun god. Meshach, a reference to Venus. And Abednego, the servant of Nebo, a pagan god. These children of Israel, they had a testimony where people knew that they, the king was looking for qualified people, qualified men, qualified whatever you want to say. And the prince of the eunuchs was like, you know, what about those Hebrew boys? They have a strong testimony. And the king said, okay, I'm going to give them food. But it was food that didn't go with the law of God. And Daniel stood on that day and said, I ain't eating it. It's not like, you know, if you have a burger put in front of me and it's got like mayo and tomato on it and I'm not going to be, I'm not eating it. That would be like somebody putting a bottle of uh, liquor in front of me and saying, drink it. I'm not drinking it. Daniel wasn't not eating it because he was picky. He knew that it was wrong. And he was going to stand before uh, even the king and say, I'm not eating this. It's not right. We have a culture today that tells us that we need to do certain things, that we need to support evolution. That it's, even though it says the theory of evolution, we know it's scientific fact, right? That's what the history books or the, the science books are teaching. We know that the earth's been around for 4.5 billion years. That's what, the, that's what the textbooks say. Or that homosexuality is completely natural. Or that abortion is health care and women's rights. We have a society telling us that we need to do these kind of things. Like Daniel was being told that he needs to eat of a meat, or eat of something that was going to defile his body. Daniel would not partake of the king's meat and would only pray to God. We see that later on. And eventually, that would get him thrown into the lion's den. Well, what did we see? We see that he had favor with the prince of the eunuchs. And if you keep reading, he eventually finds favor with other higher-ups. And the Lord, what does he do? 
closes the mouth of the lions. He stood true to his faith, and God blessed him. If you look over at chapter number 3 of Daniel, in verse, starting in verse number 9, we see, another, we see these three other Hebrew boys still standing true to their faith. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had taken gold and built a, a statue in his glory and his honor. And he was commanding the people to fall down and pray to it, worship it. And they said no. Verse number 9, it says, They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the coronet, the flute, the harp, sackbut, psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth not, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast sent over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, It is true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the coronet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image that I, which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the fiery furnace. And who is the God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Now we know, reading on, and stop there, what happens. They still don't do it. They still stand firm to their faith. They get thrown into the burning, into the fiery furnace. Three men go in, but four men are seen in the furnace. Now, I went to Bristol, and I have a public school education, but I still think that when three go into the furnace, there should be no more than three, right? We know that the hand of God was before them, and that God himself protected them. They were thrown into a furnace. They were in a culture that hated God to the point where they were willing to kill people for worshiping God. The Lord. Does that sound familiar? There's a whole culture overseas that are willing to kill people for simply proclaiming the name of Jesus. I'll go as far to say that there are people here today in the United States that would sooner kill somebody for their faith in Jesus and let them walk. We have a God was promised his protection, was promised his love and his provision in our life. Amen? There was a young girl in Columbine High School. First name was Cassie. I can never remember her last name. The shooters went in. They looked at her dead in the face, right in the eyes, and said, you believe in Jesus Christ. And all she said was yes. 
and they thought they were hurting her. But I'll tell you, not long after that trigger was pulled, she's, let me tell you, she's a lot healthier than I am. She's standing a lot firmer than I am. She knows Jesus better than I do. Here's the thing, folks. It's scary out there. Sometimes it can be scary to tell people about Jesus and to stand up. You know, when they ask you, why don't you drink alcohol? Why do you go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday? Why do you pray before you eat? Why do you tell people about Jesus? Why do you leave these pieces of paper on tables? Why do you go up to people and ask, if you were to die today, where would you go? Why do you do that? Because I have a God that has promised and is so gracious that He saved me from the pits of hell. And it doesn't scare me. Because no matter what's thrown my way, I'll wake up in glory. One day, like the preacher said this morning, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And I'd rather tell everybody today before it's too late that they may confess on this side of eternity than the next. We see that they uh, were, were not giving in to the ways of the world, and we don't need to give in to the ways of the world. We don't need to be. Here's the thing, folks. You may look at me after church and say, well, you know, I can't find really anywhere in Scripture that says alcohol is in a sin. Well, I'll tell you that it represents it, does it not? What people do outside of here, what alcohol causes, what, what, what alcohol allows and opens up for people to do, what Satan has done with this. You don't need to be swearing. These are ways to, be a, a, to show your testimony, by the way. You don't need to be swearing. Use God-honoring conversation. Give praise to the Lord. You stub your toe, golly, jeeper, that hurt. You don't need to be cussing. I lost my spot. There it is. You don't need to do the dirty jokes. They're not funny. They're perverted and sick. Abortion's not health care, folks. It's murder. We, we stand, I, 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 I'm not going to get into the whole political side of things, but I vote the way I do, not because I would ever, I know I'm a man so I can never could, but not because I would ever be okay with someone having an abortion. I don't, I'm not okay with anybody supporting it. One of the popular ones, homosexuality. That we have to, people are saying that we have to support it. We have to stand beside it. Do you guys remember a few years ago when the White House was shown with the colors of the homosexual flag? Does that, is that, does that show a Christian nation? Does that show a nation that honors and glorifies God? And can I ask you, are you following that same suit? What are you doing in your life? Are you, are you coming are, are, on Sunday mornings? Are you waking up and you're saying, you know what, I'd rather stay home and watch football. On Sunday evenings, I'd rather stay home and, and, and you, just, I don't even know, I haven't been home on a Sunday evening in so long, I have no idea what you even do on Sunday evenings. I'd rather, you know, than watch TV or on Wednesday nights, I have something so much better to do than to come here, hear God's word and pray. 
I'd rather go, and rather than hang out and, and have fellowship with my Christian friends, I'd rather go with the friends that are having more fun at the bars and are getting drunk and wasted because they're having a great time. I'd rather you know, fit in and things like that you know, by saying the dirty jokes, by swearing and doing all those things. Let me ask you, if you're giving a testimony to God, I, I was going to ask a question, but that's not it because that's not a testimony to God. I'll tell you what's a testimony to the Lord that's living by all 66 books here. It's by having fellowship with your fellow believers. It's when you have the opportunity by telling somebody about Jesus. How do you show your testimony? That's by living for God. I think it's convicted. And at the end of the day, At the end of the day, you're saying your testimony. You're telling people about what God is doing for you. You're showing them. You're living the Christian life. I'll tell you right now, it means nothing unless you're, point number three, your testimony has substance. What is that substance? I'll tell you right now. It's not this phony, baloney Mormon testimony where they say that Joseph Smith is a, uh, 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 hold on a second, I know him. Joseph Smith is a prophet, or that he, uh, he restored the true and living church, or that there's a living prophet today, and the Book of Mormon is the tr- most true book that has ever been on the face of the earth. And finally, we get to where Jesus Christ is the Son of God, where Jesus, their Jesus, is just a small portion of it. I'll tell you right now that the substance behind your testimony, whether it's uh, when it, whatever you're speaking, whatever you're seeing, or what people are seeing, is that Jesus Christ is the entirety, the fullness. There is no other part of your testimony but that of Jesus Christ, your Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. When he was in the garden praying for you, the church, for me, a sinner. He was in the garden. He said, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus is, Jesus is the substance to our testimony. If you'll flip to the book of Acts in chapter 14, Paul gives a great uh, example of this. And I don't know why I put it for Corinthians. That's why. There we go. And in chapter number 14, starting in verse 15, it says, In saying, sirs, why do, we, why do ye these things? Now, Paul and Barnabas were at Lystra. And they were going through and doing their first uh, missionary tour, and they started preaching Christ. They started preaching the gospel. And these people, they were so wicked and so lost in their ways, they thought that they were prophets and priests of Jupiter and and Mercury, of pagan gods. And they started wanting to uh, give sacrifices because these men were coming and talking on Jupiter and Mercury's behalf. And Paul questions, he says, "Are you in, in saying, sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these things or turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in 
that he did good and gave us rain from heaven in fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these things scarce restrained they, the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And you're going to see something here about what happened when Paul was preaching Christ. He was stoned. He was stoned. And it says, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and from Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. They stoned Paul. They heard the gospel, and they, instead of responding to it, they stoned him. Well, what, did, what did Paul say in, uh, in 1 Corinthians? We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ. He went off to Derby. They did their thing. People were coming to the Lord. You know, he was going through, and he came back and proclaimed the gospel to this town. And there's two whole books of the Bible based off this fruit. First and second Timothy. Lo, I, I, I don't know if this is when they got saved. It's the only place that can really piece together, but this is where Eunice and Lois got saved. All worked in their life. They heard. And you know, all that time, a young Timothy seeing, seeing Paul stoned, being carried out of the city. You know, if I was a young child seeing that, what, Jesus, what the name of Jesus did, I'd turn away. What a testimony to Timothy. He was willing to go. He was willing to give the gospel from there. We see later on in, uh, in the book of Acts in 16 and 17 when Timothy uh, joins Paul and they go off on their ministry and their missionary journeys. Paul came back. We see that it's through it all that it was the power of the gospel that saved men. It was the testimony of the gospel. When you give your testimony, when you tell people about Jesus, when you do the things that you do, are you doing it for your own glory, for your own satisfaction, or are you doing it for Christ? Are you doing it because Jesus is your testimony? Like I said, you can talk the talk, you can walk the walk, but until Jesus is the center of it, it means nothing. Is Jesus your testimony? Is Jesus the center of all that you do? Now, how do you get to a point where you can start giving a testimony today? It starts with Christ. You may have been in this church for year after year after year after year. Your hands may have built the walls of this building. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today, this is where you settle it. You find that Jesus Christ was the true propitiation for our sins. That he took our sin, carried it away for us. He took the cross of Calvary and died for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I challenge you today, come to an old-fashioned altar when we have this time of invitation. Settle it today. A man with a man, a lady with a lady, you can know that heaven will be your home. Listen, you may have been in this church all your life. 
But unless your profession was in Christ, there's plenty of people out there that say, I believe in Jesus, and they're only doing it because Daddy said so, or because I'm scared of Grandpa, or I'm scared of what the church will think. I'm unashamed. I'm not ashamed. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, settle it today. Have that testimony. That's where you start. Start by settling your own salvation. The next, where are we? We're in a church. We're with a body of local believers. Not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves. Sunday evenings, we're given a moment of testimony. Tell somebody what God is doing in your life. Tell somebody what Jesus had done for you, what he did for you this week. Even if it's not here at church, call somebody up. Brother Tom texted me earlier this week and said, Hey, I'm preaching at, uh, at First Baptist of Niles this week. Will you pray for me? He was asking for prayer, but at the same time, he was telling me what God was doing in his life. I don't know if he meant it that way, but I took it that way. Tell somebody. I still remember when Miss, uh, when Miss Emily's other daughter, Audrey, right, was, was her name? When she was sick, we were given a time of testimony. This still sticks in my heart, is when she needed medicine. The medicine was paid for. That was a, she gave God all the glory for that. And that still sticks with me. That was still encouraging. Every once in a while, I'll think of that, and it gives me encouragement. You don't realize what telling somebody what Jesus is doing in your life does for them, whether they're saved or unsaved. It works in their life. What else can you do? There's a whole wall of gospel tracts back there. Believe me, there's more in the box. There are a box in an office. You can't take too many. Give somebody one. Even if you're still kind of, I can't talk to people. I'm still nervous about talking to people. You go to the restaurant, you sign the receipt, you stick the receipt inside the gospel track, and you walk away. There's gospel tracks back there. Invite somebody to church. Grandparents, take your grandkids up on your knee, unless they're my size. Put them on the couch next to you. Tell them what Jesus did for you. Parents, tell your kids that. Friends, Tell each other what God is doing in your life. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. If we're going to reach a world for Christ, we need to be willing and able to give a strong testimony to Him and His grace. If you're saved today, you have a testimony to give. Amen? Tell somebody. Every head bowed, every eye closed.